people closest to you judge you for being different in a way. Yes. And that's been the biggest struggle that entrepreneurs have, whether it's for profit or non-profit, is yes. my family doesn't uh, understand what I do. My dad did this all his life, but he still doesn't understand why I have to put myself in situations where I'm Risk. surrounded by cartel members. Like, he's like, are you crazy? Like, why do you want to do that? Yeah. But it's your family typically would be, I think they will never understand you until you become successful. And the way society looks at success, which we were talking about initially, yes. is money, right? They are, how much money are you making? Are you making a million dollars? That is the measure of success. But you have to define your own measure of success. Yes. Money is not always the measure of success. Absolutely. For what's the measure of success is the freedom to do yes. what I do. Yeah. Not many people have this. And I'm very blessed. Hello dreamers and action takers. Welcome to another episode of the Want Money Got Money podcast. I'm your host Sam Kamani and my guest today is Mana Dabolkar. Mana has spent over 15 years doing humanitarian and foreign aid work. She used to work for the American Red Cross as the director of regional operations in past. These days she is the CEO of Gift Global Initiative. I wanted to interview Mana because I see her as a successful entrepreneur and she is continuing to grow Gift Global Initiative and impact thousands of lives all around the globe. And she is doing this while there is COVID. Whether there is COVID or no COVID, she has to keep her organization running because they make such a big and a positive impact on countless lives so i wanted to see how she is still continuing to raise funds for her not for profit during these um strange times so without further ado let's get into it mana welcome to the show it's great to have you here there is so many things i want to find out for some of our audience who don't know yet about gift initiative can you please tell us a bit about yourself and about your current venture so gift global initiative is a non-profit it's a humanitarian organization focused on empowerment we are very proactive and i'll get into what that means uh, in a minute but we are very proactive we focus on empowerment prevention is a big thing at gift the work revolves around children but you have to understand that when you work with kids you cannot just work with kids you end up working with the family to yes. strengthen the family unit so they can provide for their own kids you don't want to you don't want them to rely on outside entities like governments or non-profits to keep providing for their own children. Absolutely. So Give runs programs and initiatives in the United States, Mexico, a couple countries in Africa, Asia, and the focus has always been how can we make things better for kids in low-income neighborhoods and their families. that is fantastic earlier we were talking about and that on my podcast it is a lot for startup entrepreneurs and tech startup founders and those sort of people but in my belief or in my point of view good entrepreneurs solve problems and i see um yourself as solving really big 
hairy audacious problems like and that's why i wanted to invite you and find out and get a bit more into understand your thinking on how you go about solving such massive problems how do you collect resources for that where do you even start how did you get started with gift Oh my god there's so many questions in yes, that. so much um, there so, is. yeah and so i have been doing this work the humanitarian work for about 15 years i was the chief operations officer for american red cross for southern california it's a large area yes. in california and we while i was at the red cross because i was higher up in the management i felt like i was far removed from the action i couldn't be in the field i could i could have volunteered but i just couldn't find time to be out there in the trenches yes and that was very important for me because i grew up in a family where my dad was a public servant so he was always out working in low income neighborhoods and he would take me and my sister and my brother with him so i grew up watching him and he's been my role model forever and so i felt far removed when i was at red cross so i started volunteering for nonprofits which were rescuing victims of sex trafficking and i was raising money for them on a volunteer basis but i always i'm a very curious person so i wanted to know what they're doing with the, the money that i raise and i wanted to see how how what they do how is it that the trafficking issue doesn't go away with all millions and millions of dollars that we raise every year for ending hunger or ending poverty and ending trafficking but yes. it never ends so one day i found myself on a, uh, a police raid that was going into a brothel to rescue kids yeah victims of sex trafficking i had no idea these were little kids so i went with them to see and i that was like that was a life changer for me because i stepped into this really disgusting place which it was there were no walls there were little rooms separated by curtains and when i walked in we saw little kids four and five year old children being groomed into trafficking and i had never ever so so naive about trafficking i thought it's going to be young women or men 17 18 year old women men i had no idea kids as young as 4 and 5 were groomed into trafficking and that really started almost like a chain of actions on my part i started questioning the way people do this kind of work and i said i don't understand why the children that we rescue have to go through that experience to receive the help that they need why does a child why can't we do something that's more preventive uh, more proactive go into areas and identify families and kids who are in the harm's way whether it's a single mom who cannot provide for her kids whether it's a family that cannot provide for the kids so they end up selling the kids or they end up trafficking their own kids why can't we just go in there and provide these families with resources like jobs medical care education for the kids where they don't feel desperate to sell their kids into trafficking or where the women don't feel desperate to sell themselves to provide for their kids so that's how we started gift we reach about 10,000 children every year in different parts of the world and everything we do at gift is preventive so we do school sponsorships 
We have medical fund that provides for medical care for children. Yes. We also have an amazing sports for solar initiative where yeah. we provide them with sports coaching like soccer or tennis and yep. throughout the year. And then there are events every year, twice a year, and the kids go home with portable solar lights. It means a lot for these kids because they have never seen electricity. We did an event in South Africa in February, 4,000 homes received portable lights and they don't have, they have never seen a light. They use yes. candles and wood. It wasn't just giving away light, it was the kids earning it through the sports event. So everything is preventive, proactive, and about, in, about 90 to 93% of every dollar that comes into gift goes into the programs and services. Because yeah. we don't have employees, it's a volunteer organization. That is amazing. <laughs> that is very cool. First question, then how do you guys sustain yourself? Do you have another job that you guys all do to volunteer at GIFT? Or yeah, does- GIFT is very young. GIFT is about four years, GIFT Global Initiative. Nonprofits have a way to pay for their employees, which is grants. Foundations will give grants. Governments give grants. So there's no reason why I should take a dollar from Sam and then use that dollar to spend on salaries or on yes. rent. Or So there yeah. are a lot of different ways to sustain your nonprofit. Is, and the, I, I ran Red Cross. So yeah. thankfully, I was trained on the job to understand that there's so much money out there for nonprofits to apply for, like grants, yes. fund, like Bill Gates Foundation, for instance, an example, right? Yeah. They give they give all kinds of grants to nonprofits. The U.S. government gives grants. California state would give grants. So we work with, we apply for grants and the grants will pay consulting fees if we need to. But the actual donation that comes into gift, which is an individual donor like you or a corporate donor, maybe let's say Apple, right? Yeah. The money that comes into these donors all of that money is used for the programs and services that we run. It's not used for administrative purposes at all. Yep. That makes so much sense now. Because I wish more nonprofits would do that. It's tough. It's yeah. tough to get grants. But if you have solid work, you yes. have a great team, you can start off with smaller grants and just take it from there. I just don't see a point in having big offices. Like people ask me all the time, where's your office? I'm like, we don't have an office. We do. Because someone donated office space to give. But yeah. I wouldn't care if I didn't have an office because yeah. we don't need one. We don't need an office. All we need is a storage, which we do. Yeah. Uh, we need storage for donations. So there are a lot of ways to run your humanitarian. I don't, I don't like to call it nonprofit because it, it makes people think nonprofit means poor. It's really not that. You can have an amazingly rich nonprofit doing major impact in this world and when i say rich doesn't mean you're paying multi-million dollar salaries to your employees rich in the way you raise money and rich in the way you impact your cause your mission your vision you don't have to be cash strapped at all there's a lot of money out there that you can raise yeah that is excellent point because that brings me to the next question for a lot of entrepreneurs and whether it is a social enterprise for profit or not for profit 
for a lot of them, it is super challenging to raise any funding. How did you overcome or did you ever face that sort of an obstacle? Absolutely. This year has been very tough for nonprofits, especially because it demands more. I'll just stick to the local stats for now. Los Angeles had, last year, 2019, we had about 56,000 homeless people on the streets of, I think, LA County. This year, it's 2020, we have about 66,000 homeless people on the streets. So we have 10,000 more. And I absolutely, COVID's been the reason a lot of people have lost their jobs and are finding it tough to pay pay their rents, provide for their families. And so at that time, they rely on nonprofits like GIFT. So we have been for the last, since February to now, which is almost November. So in the last 10 months, we have been giving out food every single day. We feed homeless every single day. It's not hundreds of meals. It may be two or three meals a day, but we have been very steady doing that every single day. We have provided about 4,000 families in South Africa with food during the COVID. We sent food packages to Mexico as well. All of that was done. We had to really try harder to raise money because people just were not comfy donating initially because a lot of people were not sure if they would have their jobs. But like any other business, you have to be persistent with what you're doing. Non-pro- I was just saying, telling my friend yesterday that, look, when people run a for-profit business, you have investors, right? You look yes. for investors, you raise investment. For non-profit, there's no investment. We can mm-hmm. have an investor invest in a non-profit. What we have is donors. And donors will only donate to you if you're doing the right work. So yeah. it all starts with showing them your work. Yes. And that's how, going back to your question, how do we do it, is we were in Mexico in that slum every two weeks, spending hours after hours with those children and families. And we take pictures, we take videos, and we make sure we share those stories. I get a lot of fact for uh, posting on social media about our work, people think, oh, if you're doing good work, you don't need to share. So you don't understand. I'm running a nonprofit. I have to. Because when you give me $5, I want to show you what we did with the $5 because that will inspire other people to donate as well. Yep. Yep. Very true. This is not a question on the financial side. When you do, you are doing so much work in the field and all that can be very emotionally draining for some people. I don't know, for me, that has been the experience when I have been overseas and in slums and stuff and, and I've not done much. How do you manage your, I don't know, mental well-being and and emotional well-being when you are seeing so much adversity every single day? No, it's a great question. Obviously I do take great care of myself because as they say, when if the aircraft's going down, you put your own oxygen mask yes. for, for saving other people. Yes. Uh, and that applies to nonprofits. You really have a... So there are a couple of things here, right? So when you run a nonprofit, you see a lot of pain wherever you are, whether it's United States or you're just not... You're not working in fancy places. It's not... It's really yeah. not fancy. It's really not fancy. Like It's not a photo op. 
you probably see on social media one second of the 24 hours that I spent. Absolutely. And people have lots of judgments about that. You know, they judge you for the, that one second. Obviously, I meditate. I'm really big on meditation. I actually teach meditation as well. So I've done years and years of meditational practice. And I teach other people to meditate because that's been a great tool for me. I play sports. I play tennis. That has been really good for me mentally. But also, I would like to tell people that once you start doing this work and the more you do it, you develop your muscle. Yeah. You grow your empathy. And there's a difference to me between empathy and compassion. And I'll tell you what the difference is. When you are compassionate about something, it affects you okay, to a point that you're unable to act on it. That's your compassion. So when you tell me a sad story and I start crying, I'm being compassionate. Empathy, on the other hand, empowers you. It empowers you to a point where you tell me a sad story, I listen to it, and then I give you a solution for that. So the more you do this kind of work, your compassion changes to empathy. Where now you're not letting it affect you but you're putting in yourself in a position where you can actually change that, empower that person who is in pain. And it's the same with dog rescue. You go to a yes. shelter one time and you'll cry looking at all these. If you're a dog lover, you'll cry looking yeah. at all these dogs, sad dogs. Start going there every day, you stop crying. And then you become really persistent with how can I make sure all these dogs get adopted? It's the same with any kind of work. It's the same with the work I do is I've been doing it 15 years. So I've seen everything. Yeah. I go into, I have an appointment with the government over here where I have access to the prisons and jails to go in and do inspections for human rights violations. Yeah. So I have not just seen children in traffic. But I actually go into prisons and jails and happen to speak with the traffickers. Yeah. So there's nothing that I have not seen at this point. But none of that affects me to a point where it will make me um, weak. It actually makes me stronger in a way. It, I see something. And the success story, that's the best part. Yeah. We have a child. She had brain cancer when I met her. She was two. A mom abandoned her, ran away with a cartel member. Is it Yamilet? Yamilet, yes. And now she's six. Yes. And she's cancer free. Last year was her first year of school. Someone from Australia became her school sponsor last year. Yeah. And we give paid for her medical expenses from two years old to through six. And we'll make sure that she goes all the way to graduation and hopefully gets a job. Yeah. And so when you see those kids, like I saw her too, I was holding her and she had brain cancer. Now when I see her, she hugs me and she's happy and she's healthy. When you see that's yeah. power yeah. and that keeps you going, the success stories. Yeah, yeah. Because in any journey, in any entrepreneurship or entrepreneur's individual journey, there's going to be a lot of highs and lows. And that's why a lot of people I know in the whole startup ecosystem, entrepreneurs, they go through a whole roller coaster of emotions and experiences and they suffer yeah. 
a lot with just mental Absolutely. health related issues and a lot of yeah. them suffer silently because the good things are easier to go through but then the lows are really low yeah also because people don't understand what you're doing a lot of time people people closest to you judge you for being different in a way yes. and that's been the biggest struggle that entrepreneurs have whether it's for profit or non-profit is yes. my family doesn't uh, understand what I do my dad did this all his life but he still doesn't understand why I have to put myself in situations where I'm Risk. surrounded by cartel members like he's like, you're crazy like why do you want to do that but yeah. he did that himself yeah you know? yeah but <laughs> it's your family typically would be I think they will never understand you and, until you become successful and the way society looks at success which we were talking about initially yes. is money right they are, how much money are you making are you making a million dollars are you making like, that is the measure of success but you have to define your own measure of success yes. money is not always the measure of success absolutely what, what's the measure of success is the freedom to do yes. what i do yeah not many people have this and i'm very blessed that i can keep pushing at the thing that makes me absolute it's not a job for me yes it's my passion and i'm blessed that no matter how many people come in my life and try to distract me or give my life a different direction i know that the measure of success for me is what i'm doing right now the fact that someone from new zealand reaches out to me and wants to know more about gifts Yeah. Someone from South Africa messages me and says, "Hey, thank you for the jacket." From Mexico reaching out saying, "Thank you for paying for my cancer uh treatment." That's success to me. Yeah. Yeah. That is absolutely amazing and I I completely believe in that as well that real wealth is not money. Real wealth is freedom. And you've got that. Plus you've got purpose as well on top yeah. of that. <laughs> so that is amazing. What's next in the next five years or where, where do you see GIFT going or what's your plan for GIFT? Um, so we have, we have some really awesome programs which are right now on uh, a standstill because of social distancing. <laughs> yes. And I, I want to take those programs global. We just got permission from LA County to do tennis for solar in LA in Los so, Angeles. What does that um, mean? What's tennis so, for solar? So basically it it this falls under the sports for solar initiative that I told you about where children from low income neighborhoods who cannot or who don't have the resources to let's say buy uh, a tennis racket yes. or get the right kind of coaching gift will provide them tennis coaching and the entire gear thanks to we have a great partnership with Babalat which yeah. is a tennis giant they've been incredible with their support so they provide us with tennis rackets anything that we need to support these kids to get tennis coaching we will run it I think it's a 12 week program that will be done twice a year and the kids will also receive solar light so we are educating kids about clean energy and they receive it as instead of giving them plastic trophies at the end they receive something that they can keep and it will use. make a better use yeah. and it will make uh, it's really educating our kids about environment in a way yep that's so we just We're yeah. doing it here. We started soccer for solar in South Africa. We did that yes. in February. It was amazing. We had about 200 kids take part in an all-day event 
where they played soccer, went home with solar lights. Tennis is more popular in LA. So tennis yes. and basketball. So yeah. we're thinking of starting off with tennis because it's no contact sport. Yes. So you don't have to train kids in a group. You could do one, one off trainings. And then once the social distancing restrictions are lifted, then we can look at other sports like basketball or soccer for that yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because Lakers won as well. So, of course, basketball would be very, very popular. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. We have uh, an amazing friend who used to be a Laker back in the days. And I'm hoping that we can do something with him in the near future. And then the other program that in the next five years, I would love to take global. And we are working with the United Arab Emirates on that, which is women empowerment. What we do is in these low-income neighborhoods, there's the rate of single motherhood is big. It's really bad. So a lot of women don't have husbands or boyfriends, and they're raising their kids themselves. And that puts them at the risk of either getting trafficked or getting yeah. into prostitution to provide for their kids. So what GGI works, that's what we're calling it, it's teaching them uh, vocational skills like stitching yes. or creating those solar lights or things that they can use to start their own business. Hopefully we can provide them micro loans and they can start their small businesses and not have to feel desperate to provide for their families. Yep. That is really good. I will later on after the podcast is finished, I'll connect you to some people in, in Middle East who are, who are quite active in this sort of space. Thank Maybe you, you know them already. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. no, that's that's really good. Yeah, UAE, they have been so good, United Arab Emirates. Yes. And I feel so sad that they don't get the right kind of coverage in, in media because they really are. When they say women empowerment, they're not playing around with that. They actually put a lot of money and efforts into empowering women, not just in the UAE, but also Glo- globally. Their embassy in South Africa was the one that funded the Sock of the Solar this year in February. Yes. And they they donated money so we could actually buy solar lights and soccer. Yes. Those kids were playing with coconut shells and had yeah. no shoes. So yes. thanks to UAE embassy and the ambassador over there, we were able to buy them uh, uniforms and shoes and soccer balls and then the solar lights. Yeah. yeah. No, that is fantastic. And I know because I interviewed someone from UAE as well and and she's doing amazing work and, and she said exactly the same things you are saying, but yeah, they don't get as much credit as all the work that they are doing yeah. in, in the field of women yeah. empowerment, which is at the grassroots level. And maybe that's why it doesn't get, but yeah. Anyway, there's three questions that I ask every guest and they're just three quick questions. And that is, is there a book that you are reading right now or what was the last book that you read? Great question. So... I am reading a book, but it's got nothing to do with entrepreneurship. It's got everything to do with health. Yeah. It's called, it's right here. I'll show you. It's called, it's called The Root Cause. Oh, cool. Okay. The Root Cause. I, yeah. I don't know if you can see it, but. Yeah, yeah, I can uh, see it, it, yes. It's about, so I was uh, recently diagnosed with autoimmune disease. So my recovery, when I play tennis every day, about two hours. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, I play a lot of tennis. I, uh, I love tennis as well. Actually, after this interview, I'm going straight to tennis. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I noticed that my recovery wasn't good enough. And turns out I have autoimmune disorder where my recovery is not good. So I'm getting into this book, Root Cause, because it really dwells into 
self-prescribing, changing your diet and your lifestyle yes. and not putting chemicals into your body. It, it actually teaches you how the tomatoes that we eat, for instance, and the taste of a tomato. I grew up on a farm. So when I first moved to the United States and I saw the big, really big tomatoes and onions and the eggs, and I was like, this is not normal. <laughs> yeah. I grew up on a farm. I've never seen an egg that big. So it gets into how we are putting chemicals in our body, which is destroying our immune ecosystem. System. Yeah, and ecosystem. Body's ecosystem too. Yeah. And so it really gets into how we can really change that by eating the right kinds of food, not putting chemicals in our body. It's about that. It's about health. No, that's great. Yeah, it gives me an insight into your life. Is there like a podcast or a YouTube channel that you follow? Great question. I watch a lot of documentaries. Yep. So my way of educating myself is I took, uh, it's funny, I took the Foreign Service Officers Test this year for the United States. And it, it's not because I want to be a foreign service. Very strange. I like to take tests just to see what, how I would do and yeah, people think that's crazy, but I, I studied four months, four or five months to actually take this test and I cracked it. And it was yes. cool. But I was, the way I studied was not reading. I watched kind of documentaries, history, politics. I, I watch a lot of politics, political documentaries, autobiographies, or anything that's very factual based. I look up on YouTube and that's what I watch on YouTube. I don't watch yeah. news channels. Yeah. I don't like that. Uh, I do probably, work with a lot. Do, do people of, even watch it? I don't know. I haven't oh, yeah, watched TV do. for so many years. Do they? No, United US watch. US does watch a lot of news every day, and it's unfortunate because these news channels do not cover anything that's international. It's mostly local. Yes. So when you speak with someone who is born and raised in the US, I was not born and raised here. I was born in India, raised in yes. South Africa. My education system was watching world news. I would yes. watch what's going on in the world, not just in South Africa or India. So in the U.S., people like to watch U.S. news, yeah. what's happening here. And they have no idea what's going on outside. I know. Yeah. I don't watch news channels. I also work a lot with lawmakers in the U.S., with politicians. I get firsthand data on a lot of things which is really extremely different from what we hear in the news, in the mainstream yes. news. Mainstream is really there. Brainwash you, mainstream news. So yeah. if you're not getting uh, your information firsthand, I... You don't... Yeah, I exactly. Want to know. Final sort of question, and that is if you had unlimited time, resources, and money, what would you do or what would you work on? Yeah, I would just give gifts like crazy. <laughs> I would just <laughs> go from every, it would be in every country, every city, because I'm so proud of what we do. Yeah. And I'm, because we really hold ourselves responsible for every dollar that people donate. We make sure that it goes to the right thing. It goes to every child that's donated to. So I want to, this organization, GIF, deserves to be, uh, in every country. It deserves to be in every city because it doesn't matter how much money we raise, but we have great impact. We are doing the right thing. And if I have unlimited time and resources, I will all go to gift. Absolutely. Like, 
absolutely I, I i wouldn't do anything else in my life yeah but give that's that's great to hear finally do you have a ask for any of our audience listening which is yes i would request people to go on to the gift website which is giusa.org and just check out all the amazing work we do and if you don't like to go on to websites that's okay we are really active on instagram uh very active on facebook and linkedin sam found me on linkedin right yes that's right yes, yes. and um you can actually see live the work we do my second ask would be for people to before you donate to a non-profit i please request you to volunteer for the non-profit i want you to see how they use the money yes. that's been given to them it's very important that you money is great like all non-profits need money right but time is the most precious thing you can give a non-profit so find some time volunteer for the cause that you're passionate about and see how that non-profit is using your resources whether it's money or product or services yes. uh and then that make you more comfortable donating to them so it works yeah. out for them in the long run yeah No, that's great look when i thank you so much for your time i will put all these links to your linkedin instagram social website everything Perfect. on underneath the description and wherever i make posts of this so thank, thank you, you once Sam. again that's great thank you so much thank you so much for listening to this episode of want money got money with sam kamani hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable insights that would help you in your startup or your business if you haven't already please subscribe and rate this show on your favorite platform it would be extremely helpful and i just cannot tell you how much i would appreciate that